You are listening to Just Riding Along on Mountain Bike Radio. Welcome to Mountain Bike Radio. Matt from JRA here, and as I cozy up to this X7 dumpster fire, I wanted to remind everyone about the Amazon affiliate link. By going to the show notes and following the link, you will have a normal Amazon shopping experience, but at no extra cost to you, Mountain Bike Radio will receive a kickback. This goes to the day-to-day operations of Mountain Bike Radio, not the host. This keeps Mountain Bike Radio going and the podcast coming. Enjoy this episode. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Just Riding Along, brought to you by Winter Solstice. Rambling on and making dick jokes. <laughs> and Winter Solstice again. Today is the Winter Solstice. Well, I guess it's already passed now because we just had the sun has set on the shortest day. And now we get longer days until the summer solstice. And that makes me really, really happy. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I'm living someplace it's a little bit colder and the days are a little shorter. But I uh, I, I was really happy this morning. I got up and did some yoga. And then I went to the shop and I cleaned everything. And uh, what? Like a woman should. Yeah, I know. Exactly. I'm always a little self-conscious about that when I'm, like, scrubbing some shit off the floor and someone walks back and is like, can I talk to the mechanic? And I'm like, yes, I am the one scrubbing the floor and I'm female. What do you want to, what do you want to say about it? Um, but yeah, I mean, my shop looks nice and, uh, I'm happy. We get longer days now, like a minute at a time. Boom. It is the, uh, it is the time, like, I'm way more excited. Some people get excited about Christmas. Like, I feel that excited about, about longer days now. Like, I, I'm, I'm that stoked about it. I think it's, uh, it's exciting. It's a time to start new stuff. I'm going to do my FTP test tomorrow. And then I'm going to start a trainer road training program to get ready for Moab Rocks. Um, yeah, so for those of you that don't know, FTP is functional threshold power. And that's oh, what Andrea's yeah. going to test, is how, how many watts she can make per how many kilograms she has and go from there. You could talk about that on the new Trailhead podcast. I'll pass. Okay. I'd prefer not. <laughs> in, the, in the words of Bartleby, I'd prefer not. Hey, where did Indy go? I don't know, behind a bike somewhere. All right, you guys talk. I'm going to go find my dog. Uh, I don't really have much new going on. I mean, I do, but it's all pretty boring stuff, and it's not not really noteworthy. And Andy's stuck behind a bike. Um, yeah, so that's that. Uh, what's going on with Kenny? Uh, what's going on with me? Let's see. I'm a little sick as I cough. Hang on. <clears throat> um, Can yeah, I'm dying. <clears throat> I'm dying. So let's see. I built a new rear wheel and soon to be a new front, but we were waiting on a hub. What What did you build? For the RKT, I'm assuming. This is for my Niner RKT. Good and God. I've been, yeah, I've been running the stock wheels. And they're, you know, they worked. They were round, kind of, and they sort of rolled. Um, but yeah, so I went with, um, I was talking about doing crest mark threes, 32 hole, 29 er obviously. And yeah, I just wanted to go back to aluminum wheels cause the carbon ones were kind of beating me up a little bit. And, um, I also talked about doing aerolite spokes and industry nine hubs, but I actually decided against industry nine cause I've had those, uh, for a while now and they were great. No complaints at all, but I just happened to be browsing QBP for other stuff and saw some um, some SRAM 900 hubs. Have you seen those, Matt? Oh. Mm, kind of. I've so, oh, sorry. Hang, hang, hang on as I yeah, hang on as I die over here for a second. <clears throat> so, anyway, these 900 hubs, they are like kind of awesome. The deal is they are extremely inexpensive and they've got a bunch of engagement and they come in every pattern, like any drill hole count that you want. So 24, 28, 32, uh, they come in boost, 
They come in regular widths. Uh, they're six bolt only. They come in XD driver. They come in Shimano driver. You can even run uh, the Shimano driver is actually a road driver. Uh, I say driver. It's a 11 speed yeah. Shimano road free hub body. Yeah. And then the XD driver is some kind of whack ball extended road bullshit. Maybe it's a future standard. I have no idea. Wait, but it's extended a, road. It's a deeper XD driver body. Ooh. Hey, wait, so, wait, wait. So when Ben interviewed Brendan Moore from Wolftooth and he said <clears throat> and he said, Yeah, we put this chain ring up on our website like a year ago or six months ago, I can't remember the timeline, and it, it really really didn't solve anything. It it didn't it wasn't a chain ring for anything that was on the market yet. That's a big red flag that something is coming that needs this. So what, I can wait. probably tell you what I think it is. I'm I'm just guessing here. You guys can venture your guesses. But think of it as this. It's an XD driver body, which we're all used to. But the spline part of it, like all the way towards the hub flange, that the, you know, it's like a little baby Shimano free hub body, basically. That's like, I don't know, what is it, 5 mil deep? Uh-huh. It's now 10 mil deep. So right. the splines, for whatever reason, are a lot deeper. But so I have to run a spacer to run a Mountain 11 or Eagle 12 speed cassette on it. Whoa! So I'll bet you what we're going to see Road 13 is an XD driver for Road. And since the rings are not as big, they can't dish them into the wheel as much. So they did just what they did with 11 speed Shimano, which is make the free hub physically deeper. So on the Mountain 11 speed, I'm sure everybody is aware on a Shimano, a Mountain setup. They just dish that big ring way inward, and you can use a 10-speed uh, freehub body. Everything's fine. But on road, since you have the option of running like a 25, for example, that would like hit the spokes if they tried to dish that in. It just won't work. So that's why they had to physically make the body deeper. So I have a feeling this has something to do with road XD, basically. Uh, also, I would assume that because this hub family, the 900 hubs, their Shimano freehub body is road 11 speed compatible as well. Mm. So they're road and mountain hubs and they do everything. And I mean, I went out on a limb here and got these. They are fucking cheap <laughs> and they're aluminum, uh, aluminum free hub body. They're 52 points of engagement with four Pauls, uh, super serviceable. They have all end caps available in the world for them. And they weigh the same as industry nine which is crazy. I think maybe they're within like 10 or 20 grams of a pair of yeah, i9 mountain. It probably just depends on like what hubs you get and what colors. Of course. No colors though. No colors. Musa. But but I'm just saying, I'm not trying to bash i9. I'm just saying this is the new, this is like a very, very good product that I think a lot of people might not really know about. I mean, and it's going to be very good if you ride it without breaking it because we've had it, some SRAM, not that particular hub, but we've had SRAM hub problems. So... Here's the real question, though. Why is it called an XDR? XD Road? That's what it's going to be, I'm assuming. So, by the way, let me just go ahead and preface this with is I'm I'm drunker than Cooter Brown right now. <laughs> um, They're going to do 12-speed road. I'm all Well, not only are they going to do 12-speed road, but I'm so drunk that I sat down in the shower because when you're drunk, that's what you do. You sit down in the shower. Um, when I was like showering, when I got home before the show, obviously before now, cause I'm talking about it. Um, I was thinking I had this long chain of events that went through my head. We don't have to go through all that, but I realized why everything from SRAM is the way it is, even before Kenny brought this up. And it's absolutely mind boggling. Okay. If you're ready for your head to just blow off. Go on. I'm sure Nate's listening right now. He and his buddies. So we had a couple of, you could say, revolutions, right? 11-speed Eagle came out, or uh, XX1 came out in 2012. Okay. And then, or 2013. And now in 2016, we got two things from SRAM. We got ETAP. And we got Eagle. Oh, 12-speed ETAP. Oh, my 
my God. What is going to blow everyone's head off? You can program your current ETAP to no, 12 speed. No, 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 no. It's way better than that. Eagle tap. <laughs> it's got to be coming. But I think they should well, send no. you something for free if you got that right. Here's the deal, though. No, listen. Now this is where it becomes like full Monty, like you know, like 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 psychedelic. Your head is blowing off. Were you high when you thought of this? No, I wasn't. It's I'm, Colorado. I'm just, you can say yes. I'm just drunk. I mean, I'm not high. If I was high, I would just I would probably just sit there and like rub soap on my leg and be like, "This feels nice." Um, <laughs> no, but so when Eagle was coming, I was like, "Man." That's really cool. I bet they're going to make two things that are going to be awesome for a lot of people. One is going to be a 1042 12-speed XD-compatible free hub or a cassette, which is going to make your... your. Uh, so let me back up. They're going to make Eagle Road, which is going to be Force Eagle or, or Eagle One or Eagle R. I don't know what it's going to be Eagle called. Eagle Red? But it's going to be Red Eagle, right? It's going to be 12-speed compatible. God, it's going to cost so much. It's going to be 12-speed compatible drop bar Road Eagle. But the other thing that they may do at that same time, which would really be awesome, is that they made a 1042 12-speed cassette. And those are things that I just imagine are coming in the future. I would ride that on the road. You get that extra gear somewhere in the middle. Exactly. Yeah, it'd be a good, uh, good cross setup as well. Well, no, I don't think it'd be good for cross, honestly. Yeah, it would. Fuck you, it'd be great for cross. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you this: I did my one. Kenny, cr- you've raced so much cross. My one cross race I did this year, I did it on an XX1 cassette. I probably raced more cross this year than both you guys combined. Well, one <laughs> plus zero is one. So, did you do two? I've done a ton. <laughs> you sound like a very uh, important person that we know right now. <laughs> Uh, um, anyway, that'd be that'd be great for cross. Why would that not be good for cross? Uh, well, my 1042 for cross felt like garbage. Yeah, because it was 11 speed. I know, so but you, I think that if I was going to race cross, I would want 1128. 12 speed, 1128. No, 11, uh, 10 speed, 1128. Yeah, 11 I mean, speed. I, I've raced cross on a 10 speed, fuck, 1126. And that's, I think that's and what you was, need. You need that fine tuning. Yeah, so. and it was it was really good. Like I never needed more gear. Really, like for cross, if you need a really low gear, you're probably getting dropped. You can run faster. Yeah. So run. Yeah. If you can't run yeah. faster, stop racing cross. I disagree. That doesn't make any sense. But go on. <laughs> I mean, that's it. Like, I I honestly think that what's going to happen. So bear with me here. SRAM has always pioneered their clutch systems. On the mountain bike world. So I believe they're going to... Right now we have ETAP Wi-Fly, which is 11-speed, double-compatible, non-clutched, road-electronic, wireless rear-to-railer. When are they going to make... So next... Eagle Tap for Mountain. That's what I'm saying. Next is going to be Eagle Tap, which is going to be the first (laughs) electronic clutched rear-to-railer that they make. That name just makes me laugh. It's... It's a... It's... It's worth, I don't know, probably $5,000 in like brainstorming sessions at SRAM to come up with Eagle Tap. If they dropped an electronic, wireless, 12-speed clutched system right now, so much money. people's heads would just blow off. And let me explain this further, because if they did what Shimano has done, which is keep everything pretty kosher, you could immediately put that on your road bike. Like, if they made a blip holder for a a, a mountain bike, then you could run blips, which is what you need to run road stuff, on your mountain bike. And you... It doesn't... I'm, I'm, like, so excited about this. Like, if they dropped Eagle Tap, you could immediately do Eagle Tap 1x12 on a road bike. Immediately. As long as they kept the the shifter protocol open. And it would be sick, nasty, sliding sideways, what, what, gravel crushing, cross racing, 
one open the road, one buy for life, awesome. But I think that's what we're going to see because they did the 11-speed stuff all without a clutch, which blew my mind. Once you put a motor in the equation, you should have a clutch because you don't need to leave the clutch out to keep the shift lever feel good. So I think that's coming. I really do. I want I want someone out there in listener land to like mark this on the calendar that on 12-21-2016, I think that 12-speed electronic mountain, which will be cross-compatible to road, one by is coming. I think in the next six months, no, I'm not going to put a timeline on it. That's wrong. But I think that you'll be able, whenever they drop a 12-speed electronic mountain group, you'll be able to run that mountain re-derailleur and eagle cassette on your cross bike or road bike, whatever you want to, immediately. I think it's going to be open to the SRAM red 11-speed ETAP shifters. Okay, can I put a disclaimer in here? Just in case you like started this podcast and you lost consciousness for a second, um, Matt is talking about what he thinks is going to happen. We have no prior knowledge from SRAM or otherwise, even though Nate is my homeboy. He would never tell me anything like that. Um, and even if he did, I wouldn't even tell Matt because, you know, it would be secret. Now, let's back it up to the point where you missed the spot where I was drunk in the shower. Yeah, he was drunk in the shower and thought of this. So that's what we're prefacing this with. Also, if he's right, Shram, I know you're listening. Stop. You cannot have my wine. Give it back. Matt's already like, I was drunk in the shower. Now he's like drinking my wine. I'm just facing wine like it's cool. Stop. It's going to be awesome. It's a bad idea. It's going to be awesome. Anyway, um, Shram, I know you're listening. Oh, my God. If he's right... I think we should get the rights to review it before everyone else reviews it because of Matt's drunken shower thoughts and no, nothing else other than that. And the fact that we're awesome and you know that if bike rumor is like, Oh my God, this Uh, is so awesome. I want to suck its dick. Pay to play is always going to win. Well, yeah, you got that. But like if, if we say something is awesome, people actually go out and buy it. Yeah, they do. Uh, Brian V of Minnesota was oh, are we gracious. Just going straight into questions. He was gracious, hey, enough. motherfucker. I'm in the middle of talking about my wheels, and you went on a nine mile tangent. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, how good are your wheels? Oh, Brian V, we'll get back to you. <laughs> so, SRAM SRAM 900 hubs. What I'm getting at is they're kind of awesome, and I think they're the next little diamond in the rough for like the average person. Because they're fucking cheap and they're light and they're super universal. And I mean, I've only got good stuff to say about them. I don't have a lot of miles on my rear yet and I haven't even built the front, but pretty cool. And the front comes with torque caps and regular 15 mil caps, I would which is really, pretty cool. I would really, like to try those because I know we've just had like basically any set of Rome wheels that has left the shop has come back to the shop. For what for one reason or another. So Yeah. I mean I could be wrong. Something could shit the bed on these, but they're simple, cartridge bearing, no bullshit, no tensioners. The free hub body pops off like every other nice free hub body does. It's got four paws, two engage at a time. Um it's a fifty two point engagement, so it's a twenty six point actual ratchet guy. Everything kind of makes sense to me, at least in my head. It all looks really good. And I cannot believe the price and the weight. It like doesn't make any sense. And they don't look, they don't look great, but they don't look ugly either. And they're just they're just black anodized hubs. So I think these like might a, be the real deal. It's two hundred dollars for the rear and ninety dollars for the front, or maybe eighty dollars for the front. So retail dollars, two hundred eighty dollars buys you great hubs. So now we're talking. 585 for i9s and we're talking about a hundred dollars less for a set of hopes and then another hundred dollars less for a set of sram 900s like that's fucking badass and these things are lighter than hopes so i mean yeah the hopes have never been like super no they've never been light but i'm just saying they're a hundred dollars cheaper than hopes they have more engagement than the hopes I'm not railing on the hopes. I think they're fine. Ooh, I am. This is just a new. This is just a new nice hub, and I think you guys should go check it out. So my wheel set is going to end up. uh, Actually, I already know what it weighs. It weighs fourteen hundred ninety grams. Did you do how many spokes did you do? Thirty-two hole front and rear. Wow, that's a lot in the front. 
Yep, 32-hole front and rear on Aerolites and just regular DT Swiss aluminum nipples, the ones that come with the Aerolites. That's it, three cross lacing. There's nothing weird, nothing fancy. That's taped and valved, 1,490 grams. So, holy shit, that is ridiculous. So, and this set is, don't get me wrong, it's not cheap, but if you want a set of wheels that is lighter by 100 grams than the factory Neo Stan ZTR set, and you want to spend an extra $100 or so, this is what you get. And that's pretty damn cool. So this is a roughly an $800 retail wheel set all built up. And just to remind people, um, those hubs are the same weight and much cheaper than Industry 9 wheels. But um, remember, the Industry 9 rear hub has 120 points of engagement rather than 54. Yeah, and this is not railing on anybody else. This is just the fact that someone else is now in the game. And unless this thing explodes apart on me, uh, I'm pretty impressed so far, at least initial impressions. And it's going to be compatible with every cassette and free hub, like all that shit. It does it all, which is crazy. It comes with boost. It comes with a whole bunch of end caps. You can buy free hub bodies on quality right now if you want to like swap between the two. Uh, I mean... Holy crap, it's kind of blowing my mind. So I'll give you guys a longer-term review once I uh, beat on the rear hub a little bit more. But I've done a couple rides, and it's nice. It's kind of loud, but not too loud. It just sounds kind of nice. It sounds a lot like an i9 with 60 points of engagement, to be honest, because it's, well, really close to that. And, yeah, I mean, an i9 has way more engagement, and the i9 is a tad lighter, and the i9 comes in a whole shitload of colors, uh, and it's made in the U.S., so that's all really cool stuff and i still love the i9 parts but this is just another option it's pretty damn cool yeah and well you you were talking about hope and this is something that they were talking about at work the other day which i didn't know maybe kenny can just answer this does the hope hub use proprietary bearings now I have no idea. I haven't really messed with the new ones. The old ones, no. They were all off-the-shelf stuff. Yeah, but from what I understand, like the guys at at work were talking about um, the new ones using like special machined bearings for that hub. It's possible. I have not. This you're talking about the Pro Four, correct? Okay, I haven't really messed with the Pro Fours or Pro 3s, or I don't know, whatever the hell they are, are, they're called now. The Pro 2 Evo and the 40-tooth Pro 2 Evo, I suppose. Or maybe it was called the Pro 3. The one generation before what they have now. That's the one I've messed with a whole lot. And that one's all kind of normal. But the newest, latest, greatest one, to be honest, I've never even seen one in person because, well, you know, there's Industry 9, so people just don't buy the hopes. You know, I don't know how true that was or not. Maybe I'm just still drunk. I don't know. I don't know. It could be. I just haven't seen any in person. So, hey, I don't know. No, that's a free hub bearing. That's a free hub bearing, not a uh, hub bearing. Oh, here's a hub exploded view. Bear with us, guys and gals. Uh, Part number three is... Uh, it looks like it's a stainless 6903. Maybe it's not. I don't know. If it's a, if it's a proprietary bearing that goes in your mountain hub, I don't know. Let's really, really, let's really, really hope they did not do that. Um, Industry nine did that shit on their first generation hubs, but that was a very long time ago. One big bearing. We can forgive that transgression. There were other fucked up bearings in that hub too. They had like a 29 and a half millimeter bearing. Well, for some, no, I've I've rebuilt one of those hubs before, and the only one that was weird was the. Uh... Oh, there's two weird ones. I assure you. <laughs> um, I think it's in the free hub body or something. It's it's some half millimeter bearing. It's fucking weird. And so, then there's the giant the giant one that's used on like, you know, space shuttles or some shit. <laughs> you have to call NASA to figure out a distributor that has it in stock. Yep. All right. Um. Let's get going. We got a bunch of stuff to cover. I thought you said we didn't have shit to cover. Oh, I did. Did we have any donations? Brian V. of Minnesota. $50. Made it rain on us at Christmas time. Yeah. Thanks, Brian. And that's it. Just Brian. Um, We have a bunch of questions, though. God. just They're all big and meaty. They're like meaty questions. 
Maybe we should do two episodes this week. No, it's already Wednesday. <laughs> um, let's do let's do this episode, and then right when we get done with it, we'll crank it right back up and do a second episode. Are you kidding? No. What? No, let's do it. Nobody will even know. Uh, except everyone that just listened to that. Duh. All right. So um, Scott A. from the internet sent in a question about a Fazari mountain bike. He says, Scott here from the Apple State again. I have a good friend that is thinking about getting a fat bike. He has been looking at the direct-to-consumer brand Fazari as a possible option. I don't know much about the brand, so I thought I would reach out to you guys and gal for some advice. Seems like a good price for what you're getting, but what could be said for quite a few of those direct to, but that could be said for quite a few of those direct to consumer brands. Just looking for any further insight as the giant grain of salt, also known as the internet can be misleading. Thanks again and keep it classy. Scott. Um, the bike that he sent a link to was, um, underwhelming, let's say. So <laughs> I told him about my, and I'm sure that you two can chime in on this. Um, I know people love to hate Moto Bacane, but if you, I've had multiple customers over the last year come in and just be like, yo, um, this is broken and you can fix it if you give me a detailed receipt because I'm able to charge back to the company. And like, if you have something just like out of the box, totally like effed up, they'll, they'll credit you back what was screwed up and then you can like, uh, like it, I don't know. It just seems like as far as bikes that go direct to consumers, I know I just said that, but bikes direct does a really good job. Um, that's really weird. What? Just that you can like send them a receipt for work that you had to have done. Well, no, like work that you have to have done. Like you pull your bike out of the box and a great example is a customer's rear brake just flat out didn't work. You could pull the lever as hard as you wanted to and it, did nothing. And for those of you out there that are in the know, the guide brakes, they have the, they have a couple of designs and Kenny, you might know what it's called, but the, the special like quick disconnect, like bleed free system. Do you know what that's called? Yeah, it's got some marketing wank term for it, but I don't know. Um, but it's the kind that pretty much you can, uh, you can like run an internally routed hose and the brake lever doesn't. a jig. It's like the Connectamajig for the lever. Connectamajig is a reverb thing. Well, yeah, but I thought that it would have the same name for the lever. Probably not because it's a different part, but it, it functions just like Connectamajig. Yeah, I think it's called Bleeding Edge. Uh, no, Bleeding Edge is that special bleed tool that goes in the new TLM calipers. Oh, and I thought then, that's what you're talking about. Well, no, like the the lever where if you unhook the if you unhook the hose from the lever, the lever. Oh, you mean closes. like on the on the road bikes? No. On a guide brake, there's certain models of guide that if you unhook the lever, the hose from the lever, the lever closes. Oh, shit. Yeah, I have no idea. I've seen the road stuff, like the Cannondale synapses have that, and it's just a, like a thread-on fitting thing with a spring-loaded doohickey and if you where you can d- quick-release your stuff. And you have to like push it really hard and then thread it in. Yes, that's correct. And if you don't push it before you thread it, then you don't open that valve and it doesn't actually work. That's the one I'm familiar with. Well, a customer brought me one of those and Bikes Direct was just like, yo, send me an invoice for you getting this repaired and we'll pay it. Like, that's top notch. I've had multiple customers bring me a bike and be like, I bought this new bike and it doesn't work. And I'm like, oh, well, your derailleur hanger's all messed up. And they're like, oh, yeah. They sent me one of those, and they just whip it out of their pocket. And they're like, they thought this might have been the problem with my shifting, and they told me to bring you and my bike and this part all together to see if you can make it work. And I don't know. I've had really good luck helping people's day be made with them. Um, not that Vizari is a bad brand, but it's also just... Like if you're going to go the way of the consumer direct... Then you so may- one one thing that's annoying to me on here is that they have a retail price and then a direct price, but the retail price doesn't fucking exist because they don't do retail. Bizarre. So th- yeah, that's like people making up a fucking price on a ticket 
for like a pair of jeans. They're like, oh yeah, the retail is one hundred nineteen dollars, but we're selling it. It's like what Kohl's does. I think they actually got sued for that recently. In fact, they were uh, declaring that things were on sale, but they were never actually. They they have to prove that at some point they sold them for the full retail price, but they never actually did. So they never actually had a sale. And that's the issue that I have here with this site. They have a retail price of $3,500 on this King's Peak Carbon Fat Bike SLX 1x11. Retail $3,540, and it says direct $2,199, now marked down to $1,849. But so, no one ever paid. You but never nobody has the option to pay $3,540 for that bike. It would not be physically possible to pay $3,540 for that bike. It never, nobody ever has paid that. So it's just market, it's fucking bullshit it's weird sales tactics crap that is a fucking lie so the fact that that's on their website right there like makes me not trust them for shit uh also the picture of this same exact bike on their website is hilarious you guys need to look at it somebody put and i shit you not probably 60 psi in this fat bike tire because the rim strip is almost, <laughs> i see it, that it is almost made a full bubble I'll I'll put a link. <laughs> this this bike picture will make it to the show page. I guarantee it. So oh, that is a full bubble. If you're not familiar with going, if you listen like through the apps and stuff, go to the show page. We we put a little bit of work in over there. But what's awesome is they missed one of the bubbles on their Photoshop. Do you see that? Oh yeah, they did. The the top dead bubble well, on the no, maybe that one actually might be a full thing because it's opposite the valve stem. That might not oh, actually. Oh yeah, that's be. probably oh, like, like the, the scene. Doesn't have that's a the scene bubble bubble spot. Hole. Regardless, they fucking overinflated the shit out of this tire. It is amazing. That's sick. Um, yeah, so that's a real thing. I looked it up while Kenny was talking. Coles did get sued over what's pretty much uh, false advertising of original prices. Um, two people in California brought a class action lawsuit against them. So, cool. So, But we, we talked about that, and pretty much what I said is for $200 more than that, you can get a... Uh, titanium Moto Bacane with a Bluto and for a couple of hundred dollars more than that bike you can get a Trek and the Trek I get it everyone loves just loves to hate Trek right but let me give you a story today a customer called and they said hey I had this bike in your shop a year and a half ago and I was given the option for a um, a credit can I still use that credit? And I was like, you know, honestly, I don't know. Let me make a couple of phone calls. And I tracked everything down for this customer. And even though it's been a year and a half from when Trek evaluated this broken old mountain bike, um, Trek said, look, I understand that this frame is broken and that is 100% our fault. We do offer a lifetime warranty. You have two options. We can mail you a frame that none of your parts work with or we'll give you a nearly $1,000 credit on anything you want from the Trek brand, bicycle-wise. And here it is a year and a half later, and because this gentleman kept up with his receipt for his 10- or 15-year-old, it's probably a, that's honestly probably a 12- to 14-year-old mountain bike, they were, they're offering him $1,000 at retail cost off of a new bike. Because he kept up with his receipt and his bike broke. And that's just really hard to beat. So Trek bikes, they I get it, Trek and Specialized, you want to hate them, but they they don't suck. I don't really hate Trek at all. I really don't like Specialized a whole lot, but I don't really have any problem with Trek. I really don't. Never had any issue with them ever. What's your so, problem with Specialized? I fucking hate them. <laughs> <laughs> I hate I hate everything they stand for and I dislike most of their bikes and yeah I just I don't really like their little brand that they've created. Some people love it, that's fine. I just don't like it. I'll I think the easiest way for me to answer that is this. Um I've worked at a Trek and Specialized shop for almost 2 years now and I own I don't know, probably what is that? I own three and a half Trek bikes and zero Specialized bikes. So there you go. Um, we have a, a good quick question here. Max from Bloody England. Bloody hell. 
Bloody hell. No, shh, don't curse. Hey, guys. I'm 15 and from the mystical lands of England. Do you I've, wear a fanny pack? I have previously raced road and I'm now looking to enter my first XE mountain bike race this February. As a result, I'm wondering how you guys train on the build-up to a race so that you're as strong as you can be when lurking on the start line. The race is f- roughly 45 minutes on a lap course. Many thanks, Max, sent by Carrier Pigeon. So, first and foremost, Max, good job. You just, you killed it. Um, and then... Who lets a 15... I guess 15's old enough to listen to us, isn't it? I mean, he has an iPod. He can listen to whatever the fuck he chooses. Like, That's true. They're not quite as, like, they're not quite as crazy and... No. Outside yeah, I don't know. The, the stuff I was doing when I was 15 years old was pretty fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> I was just pretty lame then. I mean, mine it just mostly when I was 15, it involved like trying to find out where we could buy some pot. Yeah, that was really it. And one time, I think I I like took one of like one of my parents had an old really like ancient prescription for like codeine Tylenol and I sold it to someone or traded it for some pot. Jesus Christ. You just yeah. put all your dirty laundry. And out then there. he got, he got upset because it didn't, he didn't really, he didn't think it was good. And it was probably because it was like 12 years old. <laughs> <laughs> that was the worst thing I did when I was that, a teenager. Um, so the answer that I gave Max is, don't peak for a race in February at the expense of wanting to ride your bike when you're 25 years old. Um, continue to ride and have fun on your bike. But the easiest thing you can do is go down to your local library, get any book about training, and follow it. Testosterone is raging through your body, and you are going to have a, a distinct advantage if you have hit puberty. Um, as if you've been through puberty and you do any type of structured work, you're going to damn near lap anyone else in your field and if you don't then maybe you're just not a genetic awesome racer but you can always mountain bike and have fun for the rest of your life and that's what's most important so my two cents is this you can do structured stuff whenever you want i would keep things fun because i've seen a lot of young guys like try to get structured and too serious too quickly and, you know, I hate to say it, but I mean, you're going to know if you're a genetic freak and you're going to be one of the best in the world. You know that pretty damn early on. And if you're not going to be a genetic freak and be the best in the world, why be miserable and overtrain yourself and burn yourself out on it and then just run away from the sport? So I recommend not doing that. And and that's exactly what I meant. Like if he wanted to ride some, like if his buddies wanted to ride, let's say twice a week, but he wanted to ride five days a week. Follow the book for the other three days a week, but then like on those other two days a week, go dick off with your buddies. Like, yeah, don't, don't make it a job. I mean, unless you really can make it a job, don't make it a job. I, that's my advice to you is don't take all the fun out of it. Um, now if you really enjoy that and you, and you feel like you're really growing and maturing by following guidelines and, you know, sticking to workouts, that's great. But if you ever get to your, you know, get to thinking this isn't fun anymore. I used to just go have fun riding with my buddies and like maybe being a little faster than all of them. If you lose that, then you kind of lost the whole idea of the thing. So just don't make it not fun. How about that? Sounds perfect. Heck, can I answer? So he's, he's preparing for a race in February. Correct. That's not really that long off. So I'm going to say, Matt and Kenny are correct. Like you need to not make training a job, but don't make training a job for a long time. Between now and February, I'm saying you should like make training a job, like just for that amount of time. I I use Trainer Road um, because when I'm kind of time limited, I don't know how time limited you are um, with school. Um, if you have any, any after school activities besides riding a bike, it just works for me because I can get on the trainer. I can ride for an hour. I can get off the trainer and I'm done. I can do it before I go to work in the morning. You could probably do it before or after you go to school in the morning. Um, or, you know, morning, afternoon, whatever. Um, 
Or you could, that's just my, like, I, I say find a training program that fits with your schedule and do it. Follow it to the letter. Make it a job. Make it a job until your race in February. And then have fun. Because that little bit of discipline of kind of sacrificing, like, say, no, guys, I can't go out and, like, I can't go to the late movie Friday night because I have to get up early Saturday and ride my bike. Like those little bits of sacrifice are so rewarding when you go to the race and you do better than expected or you do like a, you know, like you normally you start a training program with some sort of a fitness test and then you, you know, you reevaluate at some point. Um, When you see improvements there, it's very, very, very rewarding. But Matt and Kenny are correct in saying, like, you're young. Don't do that all summer. Do it between now and your race, and then fuck around and have a good time. But I say you should work hard and make it your job and sacrifice a little bit of fun for the reward of having the best race you can. But then after the race, like, have a good time. Like, don't don't keep doing that. Like, just... You know, and if you do that in February and then you're like, oh, there's another race in August that I want to do, then, you know, fuck around and have a good time. And then, uh, you know, a, a month or two out from the next race, then go back to doing a strict regimented training program. But, you know, at, at your age, basically, Matt was correct in saying, like, you can do just about anything as long as you're consistent um, and you're going to do better. So, because you're you're young, and that's what happens with dudes when they're young. So, that's all I have to say about that. Boom. Um, we have so many questions. Oh boy, oh geese. Um, next one is a long one. Jesus. Uh, so James from Cincinnati says. That's James, right? Yes. Oh God, where'd he go? I got it's so long I got lost. James from Cincinnati. Hey Jerry, I'm trying to exercise some personal demons of indecision, so I figured it couldn't hurt to throw some ideas out there for my favorite podcasters to discuss. First, here's the background info. I'm six foe, two hundred and twenty pounds without gear, and I ride a twenty sixteen Trek Remedy nine point eight two niner. For me, this bike is well balanced. Well balanced and handling the variety of local backcountry trails, the featured packed diamond in the rough trails my buddies and I are currently building, and the day trip gems like Nico Mullally's new trails at Wind Rock Bike Park. I love my bike and I'll be sticking with it at least until 2018 models are out. I've made a few changes from OE as follows. Replaced the 125 Reverb with a 150 Bontrager Dropline. Replaced the Bontrager Pro Stem in 60 with a tr- chunky trivative hustle felt 40 millimeter went one by with a 32 tooth from one up components. I bumped the Fox 36 from 140 to 150 and went tubeless. Duh. The bike weighs in at 29 and three quarter pounds with bottles, pedals, mud guard, and a little caked on dirt. It gets rowdy with all the other big trail bikes, but holy smokes, it pedals and it climbs like a hard, <clears throat> like a modern 140 29er trail bike should. <laughs> i.e. nowhere close to as efficiently as my hardtail 2016 Trek Superfly. All that said, and simply because I have the desire and the means, I want to cut about two pounds out of the bike. I plan to achieve this in two phases. Phase one cuts a pound and is already well underway. The highlights include shaving 100 grams with a pike that fell into my lap for a song, 120 grams from an XCR crank and bottom bracket, and 90 grams using a Sentase Megaforce 2 stem. Phase two is what I'm really here to waste your time with. Although I think I've already achieved uh, achieved here shitposting levels of time wastage. The OE DT Swiss E1900 wheels is solid and the tubal setup is stupidly easy, but it weighs over 2,000 grams and the rear hubs has a barbaric 18 points of engagement. Furthermore, the XT M8000 cassette weighs almost 400 grams, so the plan is to save up to 300 grams with a new wheel set and another 140 grams with an X01 cassette. Here's where it gets interesting. I have three options on the table. Both of the builds would be with i9 hubs and DT Aerolites. Raceface Arc 
27 rims, weighing 1550 or sorry, 515 each with no suggested rider weight limit. Stands ZTR arches with a scant 453 grams with an unnerving 230 pound weight limit or I9 Enduro 350 wheels with a 250 pound weight limit. To me, the advantage of building is it'd be easier to re- replace a rim or broken spokes if need be. However, I'm pretty easy on wheels. I've never had to replace a rim, knock on wood, so I don't know how important ease of replacement or repair really is. The advantage of the i9 wheel set is obviously baller status, and I don't have to spend a few days in the back of the shop building my wheels. In the end, the race face Arc 27 would be only a few grams less than the, the i9 wheels, but the arches would save 100 grams of rotational weight. The weight difference makes it difficult for me to choose between the potentially sketchy rider weight limit of the arch versus the potentially heavier but seemingly more bombproof race face arc 27s. What do you guys think? Either way, the bike should end up under 28, but I'd love to hear each of the three of you would choose if you were in my position. Thank you for the endless hours of entertainment and motivating content you've provided over the years and for putting up with my long-winded first world problems. I love you guys. James. Who's going first? I'll go first. <clears throat> so he's got a really good idea with what he's doing. The So what I've learned uh, pretty recently is that those damn, I didn't really think about it, but those XT cassettes, they're really good value. They work just fine. They shift fine, but they're fucking heavy. Uh, you're going to 11 speeds, and then the whole just assembly, because the rings are getting so much bigger, everything just gets way heavier. They're like 400 and some odd grams 430 440 grams for an 1142 and that's just crazy so an x01 cassette uh is crazy lighter it's it's over 100 grams lighter i think it's like 300 right at 300 or 330 i think it's 300 because i think it's 260 grams for an xx1 cassette if i'm not mistaken so huge amount of weight right there in the cassette so i would do that you're going to lose weight in the xd driver body which is great so there's an extra 20 grams right on the table there just with the free hub and then so what i would do at least right now i can't give you long-term review but this is just my point of view you're trying to yeah i want to like before you go into hubs i want to make another point real quick okay you could go to a 330t chain ring if you went from xt to x01 your gearing works out you can go to a 3010 and have harder gearing than your 3211 and technically save weight in the chain ring also Yep, and probably one less link on the chain. So, yep. I mean, that's we're talking about that's getting pretty picky there, but yes, that is an option for sure. I mean, it's very um, true though. So, continue. <clears throat> yeah, it's absolutely true. If you want to get weight weenie, yeah, uh, yeah, you can do that. So, what I would do is stands the new Arch Mark threes, front and rear, thirty-two hole, arrow lights on not, uh, SRAM nine hundred hubs, and that keeps the budget down. It keeps the weight down. Uh, it's simple. And that's what I do. But if you want to do I-9s, they're fantastic. You're not going to hate them. They're just more expensive. It's 200 bucks more to get those. Um, Aerolites, I think, are going to be just fine. I don't think an Aerolite is any weaker than, like, a DT competition, for example, a regular double-butted spoke. Uh, they're very expensive, but they're light and they're strong. Uh, what else? So if you completely explode, like, your rear arch, for example, just relace it with a flow. Who cares? You're, you're out 100 bucks. So that's an option. Uh, what else? I mean, that's really all the weight right there. So wheels and cassette, you will probably save over, I'm going to say a pound to a pound and a half with those just the, those two items. And boom, that's what I do. And the rest of the bike, yeah, he's already say, he already has his plan for the crank and the fork and some other stuff. So anyway, that's my advice on wheels, run arches, uh, do I-9s if you want. I'd run this 900 hubs because I think they're kind of the new, newest, coolest, cheapest, neato thing out there. And, yeah, that's what i do. I'd avoid all that other crap. Like, I don't know enough about those race face rims, but the fact of the matter is the stand stuff is pretty proven, and that's what i do. Boom. It's pretty, pretty yeah, simple. Yeah, I, I think you guys got it. I don't, I don't have to add anything. I mean, and that's, that's the only thing I would add. The, well, maybe one other thing to think about is, if as long as Bontrager and and just to derail what Kenny said and save another two hundred and eighty dollars is or not quite two eighty but um, if you have thirty two hole hubs from DT Swiss already 
tear them down and rebuild them. Like, you don't like the engagement? Put the 54-tooth ratchet in them. Easy, simple, done. Um, but, you know, if those wheels are garbage to you, don't throw them away. Cut the hubs out and rebuild them. You can easily put a driver and a free hub on there cheaper than you can buy new hubs, and you'll have the engagement way up right in that S900 level. Um, and the other thing that you can do is not waste them. I know that that's pretty pretty nitpicky in this like consumerism of like fancy ass bikes but like you you wouldn't be throwing something away so the way i look at that is i'd want to keep those wheels intact and that way you can either sell them as complete wheels to somebody or keep them around as spares if you wad up a wheel or who knows what so i wouldn't want to like necessarily cut the hubs out because then you've got spokes that are worthless and hoops that are worthless i i don't know like i'm i'm actually like a hundred percent opposite of you there like i got a GT Swiss wheel set earlier this year and I bought them used and I was like, man, I'm going to sell my Crave with these wheels. And then nostalgia got the best of me and I couldn't sell the Crave because it wasn't worth what the monetary or the, like the sentimental value is worth. So I relaced them to MK3 crest. And now I have like a fabulous wheel set rather than being like, Oh, I'll just resell these and then buy different stuff. Like it was way cheaper to to rebuild them in the long run, even when you factored in the selling and, and factoring a little bit of time, but when you factor in selling them and then buying new stuff and all that, it's just way easier to reuse them. So that's my take on it. Yeah. We have a question from Bud Ward. I literally have to catch my breath here. Um, so he has wheel Bud Ward wheel regrets. Hi guys. First of all, um, he asked Kenny about shorts, and I'm pretty sure you got with him, right? Uh, yeah. So the shorts, the deal with the shorts is I'll get with all those people. The issue is the shorts that I had are not what I thought they were, and uh, I sent a couple of them out, but they didn't really work for those people. So I'm kind of hesitant to send them out to everybody else. But I haven't had time to go uh, get back with everybody, and I apologize for that. But I will get to that. I've been kind of busy at work, so. And you're also kind of busy and the shorts you figured you, the shorts you realized you had in stock aren't the shorts that you thought you had and the shorts you have aren't that good. That's correct. It's life, right? It's, yeah. Yeah. I tried, but yeah, they're not looking good. Um, so the question he really has is ever used or heard of Novatech wheels? Not urgent. I just think I may destroy these I-9 Trail S wheels since they're 28 hole and being run on a Bronson. Also, my riding style, it's not light and not careful. Why Why did you get 28-hole wheels on a Bronson? I think that's what comes on it. Oh, really? Uh, totally my fault for buying these, mostly inexperienced. Maybe not. I did call both I-9 and Santa Cruz to ask if these wheels would be okay for a Bronson, and they both said, yeah. It's not lost on me. They're both selling something. I should have asked you guys instead. I feel like we've answered this question before. Yeah, we at least talked about it. Maybe we didn't answer it. What I can say is... Most of the strength of a wheel comes from the rim hoop itself and not so much from the spokes. The spokes are kind of there and it's they're they're really all or nothing. We they either Yeah, they either just fail or they're totally fine and they're adequate. So uh like you know, flexiness in a wheel, for example, not so much the spokes, it's really the hoop itself and how stiff the hoop is. Uh so eh, I mean, there's a lot of wheels you can get away with. I don't know enough about those particular I nine rims to know about them but uh it's possible and what a lot of companies do mavic has done this a lot you can build a really 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 overbuilt very burly rim hoop that is very heavy because it's burly and then you can run fewer spokes to make it more reasonably weighted and that way you end up with a nice like laterally stiff wheel and it ends up being strong enough vertically and it's just a strong rim hoop. And then, yeah, again, you're saving weight by using fewer spokes. So that's not that really crazy. Uh, you know, there's a lot of 29er wheels these days that come 28 hole and they're just aluminum. And that's not, I wouldn't say it's that crazy. Uh, they're the Enduro. Is that right? So they're probably pretty wide. Well, they're the Trail S, which is the trail wheels, but using steel spokes. It's a new thing they're offering. Yeah, now. it's like oh, their, okay. their quote unquote budget wheel set. I thought it was like the Enduro S for some reason, but maybe not. I'm I'm not that uh, they come out with new wheels all the time. I9 has so many damn factory wheels, it's insane. But 
Uh, let's see. I nine. They do a very good job of just. Well, like, hold on. We compare I nine with DT Swiss. Not so bad. Yeah, that's true. Uh, DT Swiss does it a lot, by the way. The uh, in fact, all three of the pivots that I rented, they were all nice builds, all carbon frames, of course, and they all had DT Swiss factory wheels, and they all had progressively bigger wheel sets on them, and they were all twenty eight holes. So even the Mach six that I got had twenty eight hole DT Swisses. And I have a good Mach 6 wheel set story here to close this question out. Okay. But whenever you're done. No, that's pretty much it. Um, So like Kenny was saying, when we talk about rim hoops, um, I need to just, I don't know. It's going to take me a couple of clicks. Just We didn't read the whole question here. Um, I'm just trying to figure out how much this rim weighs for this. By the way, they they do make an Enduro S. Wheel oh. for what it's worth. Did he say Trail S or Enduro S? I'm finding that out right now. Okay. Um, trail S. Okay. So just out of curiosity, I've got the Enduro S pulled up. Blah, blah, blah. It's a 30, 30 millimeter inner. So that's a giant wheel. Yeah. And how many spokes? How many spokes? How many spokes? It uh, doesn't say in here, I don't think. So, well, if you want to go with the, go down the route that you're going with, I'm going to like look at this picture and count spokes. So that's not very exciting. So, <laughs> um, no, I was just going to say that, um, I've built three wheels this year. I know laughable as a bike shop employee, um, being a service rider at, at Wheat Ridge, I'm not a mechanic. I'm, I don't work on bikes at all. Um, I, I don't do any service. Um, I've overhauled zero customer forks this year. Um, I've overhauled some. I mean, oh, by the way, to interrupt you real quick, the Enduro S is indeed a 28 hole steel spoked aluminum hooped rim. YOLO. And that's not bad. I mean, I, I think it's not as sketchy as you might think it is on the surface. Do not, under any circumstances, unless it's a front wheel and you weigh under 150 pounds, do not build a 28 hole crest, for example. It is going to end badly. And that's where I'm going. So. The two wheels that I built that were matching, um, I built two Crest MK3 28-hole wheels, 29er 28-hole MK3s, Crest. Oh, oh God, you crazy. <laughs> I built them as cross wheels. Oh, okay, that's okay. Um, 370 grams of wheel, a rim, um, and I did a rim swap on those with uh, a pair of DT Swiss wheels where the ERD was only one millimeter different on the whole wheel set. And I rim swapped them with new spokes and it was the hardest wheel set I've ever tried to tension. Um, and I, I have very limited wheel set experience and actually Andrea came in and helped me out and finished that off for me. Um, but just this last week I, I did a rim swap from I'm running Andrea's stock wheels from her Mach six, which are DT Swiss spline E 1900s or M 1900s or something. Um, yeah, I think they're M1900, M1700, or mm, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't it's matter. It's the DT Swiss wheel that comes on lots and lots and lots of... But where lots. I'm going with this is the rim, they, they make wheels, and then they make rims. And when you buy a rim, the rim has different graphics and different uh, like naming than the wheel set does, which, eh, whatever. Uh, but it's the M442 rim. And in 29er, that rim weighs 495. So it's a two, 125 grams heavier than a crest there in you comparable go. wheel size, right? So, yeah, that can get away with a 28-hole setup because the the force is – so each one of the – yeah, the, the force on the wheel, it can, just, it can deal with having fewer spokes because the hoop itself can do more work. Basically is what it boils down to. And where what I was going to say is I felt like when I was building that wheel, it hit a wall. Like I was going around and adding tension, adding tension, adding tension. And I was like, oh, man, now this wheel has tension on it. Like with the crest, it was very vague. It was like tension is being added. Sure. Right. But like with that heavy rim or that stiff rim, I felt like the tension hit a wall. Like it ramped up very quickly. Like, Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. And you're, you're exactly right. The crest is so thin that basically you can flex the rim between those two spoke holes that are next to each other. Whereas 
the thicker aluminum wheel acts a little bit like a carbon wheel to an extent where the whole thing kind of wants to move as one piece. So, yeah, it's just a burlier rim hoop. There's nothing, not a whole lot more to say. And in general, my experience is building a, if you want to have the same weight wheel set and it's a wash in the end, if you have a little bit heavier rim hoop, but maybe four fewer spokes, I'd go with the four fewer spokes personally. Unless you wanted a super comfortable wheel, then maybe the 32-hole crest is the way to go. Exactly. Because that lighter rim equates over to more compliance. Yep. Yep. It it literally flexes more. Even though it has a higher spoke count, it flexes around a lot more. Because, again, the flex is not in the spokes. The flex is in the hoop. Spokes are just there. It's all or nothing. And I think people, a lot of people don't understand that. They think that, oh, I'm going to build a super strong wheel. I'm going to use these massive – imagine if they made three-millimeter spokes. Damn. Uh, you know, the spokes on that boy. Yeah, so regular spokes are somewhere around two millimeters or smaller. So if they made a giant straight-gauge three-millimeter spoke like this, you know, this lead pipe of a spoke, if you will, that's not going to make your wheel any stronger um, or make it any laterally stiffer. It's probably actually going to make things worse as far as like fatigue and all kinds of other things go. Uh, because those spokes do not flex with the rim at all. So all kinds of funny things happen. But anyway, what it boils down to is strength of the wheel is not really derived from spokes. It's derived from the hoop. All right, then. Boom. So there you have it. We answered a ton of questions. We thanked, oh gosh, what was did that we, guy's name? Did we not have more questions? No, we have more questions that are still in email. Oh, boy. So we should just record a, a Christmas special. Next Monday? I don't know. Sometime between now and Monday, and then also record on Monday. No, I mean, I have three more questions in email. It's just that we didn't record a proper show for a while. so. All right. And I just want to make sure we got through all that stuff in a timely manner. Right now we're at an hour and 30 seconds, so it's pretty okay. good. Okay. It's time to go have more solstice fun. As in finally have dinner and not yeah. be drunk. <laughs> uh, really cool thing. I had a person come in the store today. I'm sorry. I don't remember your name. I want to say it was Connor. If I'm wrong, send me an email. Matt at mymicradio.com. I will write it on the air. Connor lived in Colorado. McGregor. Not Connor McGregor. This man was much too big to be Connor McGregor. <laughs> He, he is could, a wee fellow. He could Conor McGregor could ride on him like in a backpack, and this gentleman would not notice. Um, <laughs> Conor McGregor's a professional UFC fighter. If you don't know who we're he's talking really about, he's really good, and he's also very small. And he's got a really loud mouth. He does like a little drunk Irishman. Um, <laughs> who could he backs it up though? He does. Uh, but anyways, uh, he came in the store today, and he was like, "Hey." You run a podcast, right? And I had no joke shoved half of a cookie into my mouth just before that. And I was like <laughs> shaking my head yes. And I was like, hold on. Hold, hold, hold. And I like talked with him for a he minute. He probably knows the sound of you eating. He does. Just crunch, crunch, crunch. But uh, he said that he listens to Mount Mike Radio and he's a big fan. And new thing that I've never heard before. He listened to The Path and contacted him and was like, hey, do you want a full-time mechanic? And they were like, Sure. So through Mountain Bike Radio, he contacted The Path, and he got in touch with those guys and got a job with them. <laughs> so, boom. Cool stuff. Very That's cool. some shit. Yeah. So um, is he going to be on their podcast now? I don't know. He should be. I think that we should start a totally, like, an Andy Kaufman-style, like, beef with The Path. We should do a show that has everybody from all the shows all in one giant Skype call, and it's a fucking free-for-all. <laughs> that would be awful. Kelly from Apex Nutrition just is like, no, you got to put it in the blender. Just blend it. It's fine. Can I put tequila in it? No, you can't put tequila in it. It has antioxidants, and that's bad for the antioxidants. No, I saw something them. about tequila being a probiotic. Uh, I don't. <laughs> wait. So tequila is a kind of alcohol. Tequila helps your digestion and mexican food hurts it so they should wash out in the end right sure there i know i just it. think like and it, it won't even like people know what we're talking about now like but we should we should do that just be, i'm gonna start just fucking with them on twitter i'm not gonna have any part of that 
I'm totally going to do it. If you don't already do it, follow Just Writing Along on Twitter. It's the JRA Show. It's at the JRA Show on Twitter. We need to do the JRA Show versus another show. We're going to do JRA versus The Path because fuck those guys. Let's just get super mad at each other for no good reason. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what we're doing right now. We're so much better than they are. They suck. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been another episode of Just Riding Along on Mountain Bike Radio. This is brought to you by the Winter Solstice. and, and We didn't make any dick jokes. That's good. Um, until next time, enjoy yourselves. Thank you for listening. Uh, I'm going to make a quick plug here. If you need to buy stuff for the holiday season, whether it be anything or you got money that you want to spend. You're shopping by now. You want to use the Amazon affiliate link because the affiliate link goes and gives a small kickback to Mountain Bike Radio, which keeps the podcast coming to you. If you want to send money to the show, that's cool and we appreciate it. There's a link in the show notes to do that. If you want to follow the Amazon link, that link's also in the show notes. If you want to go to your local animal shelter and donate money because you heard this, let us know. We'll give you a shout out on the air. Until next time, thanks again. Send questions if you have them. If not, don't shoot your eye out.